Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Daily Stand-Up. My name's Lee Henson, president and founder of Agile Dad. Without any further ado, let's get started. Continuing with our topic of the top five things that you can change today to become more agile in your organization, the second one is an interesting one. And this is one that, as a scrum master working together with product owners, you probably have a little more control over. And that is evaluating, regulating, and adjusting team size. Uh, many organizations, you know, have read the manifesto and have read the the Scrum Guide where it says that team size should be three to nine. And I often get questions: Does the three to nine include the Scrum Master, the Product Owner, Relative Analyst, other specialists? You know, how do we know how to regulate and make sure that we get the right three to nine uh, selected? And then how do we group them? How do we pick? You know, and of course the answer is you try to get people cross-functional. But what winds up happening is then they're a specialist. You know, what about an artist or what about a database architect? You know, what about an infrastructure person? You know, how do we get those people, you know, integrated into teams in a way that makes sense without trying to spread and make sure you have one of those specialists on each and every team? I think the key guidance or the big message that I want you to take away from here Well, there's two key takeaways. The first one is that your team size should be enough to do a cross-section of the work. You need to try your best to be cross-functional. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to teach the artist how to do a SQL query, and nor does it mean I'm going to teach a database person how to draw a unicorn. You know, that's not where I'm going with this. But within the constraints of the type of work that these individuals are doing, We want to make sure that we are allowing them to maximize the value that they can provide to the product or service. So, you know, that's that's probably key. It's it's just a key elemental thing that you need to do. Um, And and then second, you want to make sure that those teams stay consistent. And, you know, there are times where teams change and that's okay. But I don't want it to be all the time. The sooner you can get your teams consistent, the better you're going to wind up doing when it comes to uh, getting from norming to performing. So let's go back to the very beginning. Increasing team size or maximizing team size. One of the things that I like to do is I evaluate. And I use a GROW model whenever I do evaluation. So I'll ask myself, what's my goal? And I'll say, my goal is to get an effective team that can go to the backlog that can tackle backlog items and help build an increment that meets the sprint goal. That makes total sense, right? So then I'll say, okay, what's our reality? Well, reality now is that teams are swarmed or that people are being asked to bounce from product to product or project to project, or people's time is being split and allocated 20% here, 50% here, 70% here, 30% here, because someone thinks that equals 100% of a person's time. I, I think the key here is to realize what our goal is and what our reality is and then ask ourselves how are we going to tackle this problem sometimes what that means is taking teams like creative services or architect services or database services and creating spin-off service teams that wind up serving core teams on an as-needed basis so if your company is not a complete marketing company chances are those individuals that are responsible for creative services are often you know, providing data, information, art, etc., to you know, to people and teams across the entire organization. So we don't want to put them in a position where they're being overworked or asked to do more than they can do. And we certainly don't want to delve and try to put one of each individual on each team. Now, could each team have someone that's their designated go-to? Sure. You know, I don't think that's an issue at all. 
but I want to make sure that even on those specialized teams that we allow people to have diversity in the things that they work on, that they're not always working on the same thing over and over. This in effect allows people to become T-shaped and allows for your teams to become you know, more relevant and more consistent. I think that, uh, that as far as team size is concerned, I tend to lean towards the seven plus or minus two model, which is the old scrum guides method. You know, I think that a team of five can get some work done and I think a team of nine can do even better. But I think once you get larger than a team of nine, you start to really have communication issues. So how do you do this? Well, if your teams are smaller and you've already done number one, you know, limiting your work in progress, you can allow for those teams to swarm and to you know, move from product to product to project to project as needed in order to you know, get you know, greater skill set and in order to help get those things delivered. Now, here comes the secret sauce. The truth is, not every team is going to be consistently equal as far as the skill sets are concerned in order to do things. For example, you're always going to have one or two teams that are major contributors to a product or service. And then you're going to have other teams who are just coming in to add value, if you will. But truth be told, as the teams swarm collectively to finish the work, they're gaining knowledge, which is breaking down all those silos so that you, you don't end up with I-shaped teams or individuals. And it's allowing people to you know, get a better grip, grip on getting things to market sooner so that you can focus on how many cooks should be in a kitchen and, and what, what, how many teams make sense to swarm and what type of swarming methods can we use to get things done. Are we going to kick in some pairing or peering? Or does it make more sense to do some mob type initiatives where we get a whole bunch of people swarm and just get something done? But I think the number one takeaway from this entire session, this entire episode, should be with regard to keeping teams consistent. I've been in too many organizations where I've seen teams that were doing very, very good things being ripped apart. And it wasn't intentionally to disrupt or to make the product or service worse than it actually was. I think the reason those organizations were ripping the teams apart is because they were trying to maximize the effectiveness of each individual's ability to be able to do their job instead of focusing on the team consistently learning from one another and growing into a state of performing. So the key here is to first... Make sure you've got teams that understand each other, that are good cultural fits, that work well together, and that can navigate through the Tuckman model of forming, storming, norming, performing. Two, make sure that you're keeping those individuals consistent on the teams and giving them the option to, to vote to add additional members as needed or to shift members as needed with the understanding that any time you do that, that there'd be an adjustment period for the team to, you know, regain storming or, or to get out of storming and to regain norming or performing uh, as, as their state. And then three, you want to make certain that the organization is clear that we're not trying to manipulate or throw a monkey wrench into the work, because I think oftentimes the number one mistake that the organization makes is that they tie individuals to projects to maximize output without focusing on outcome of what they're trying to achieve. If you take individuals and their skill sets out of the equation for a short time with the exception of those rare specialists and allow the entire team to swarm, that entire team will grow in knowledge from the things that they learn when they're building that product or service and it'll also help the organization with, uh, with regard to impact because what you'll notice is that they'll get the product or service in front of the consumers faster. 
And by getting it out there faster, that means they're going to get faster feedback, which gives you the better capability to decide if something's a winner or not a winner so that you can move on to other things if needed and make those fine-tuning adjustments so that you can maximize the profit that you can make as an organization and cut out those products or services that you don't necessarily need to be working on. So for those of you who missed yesterday, we talked about the importance of limiting the projects on the plate and limiting work in progress and understanding what work in progress limits really were. Today we covered increased, uh, increasing the team size to keep it reasonable and keeping your teams consistent. Tune in for the rest of the week as we discuss the three additional things that you can change today to help your group become more agile. As always, we encourage you to visit AgileDad.com where you can learn more about this topic and any other. And of course, we'd love to hear your feedback. And uh, don't forget to tell your friends and neighbors to tune in to the podcast. We'd love to see those numbers continue to grow. As always, we encourage you to stay well, stay healthy, and stay agile. Until next time, take care, my friends.